welcoming everyone to another fabulous episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a wonderful show to share with you today. We're so excited to be sharing this company's work and have the guests that we have. Joining us, we have the director, Scott Ebersold, and the playwright and performer, Amy Crossman, both of who are with Boomerang Theater Company's presentation of The Great Divide. It's playing October 5th through the 22nd at Here Art Center, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting here.org. We're very excited to be being joined by two members of a Boomerang Theater Company presentation, and more importantly, these two specific artists. So let's welcome them on. Scott, Amy, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. No, thank you for having us. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm very excited to have you here. I'm very excited to be talking about this incredible show, The Great Divide. And Amy, I want to start with you by having you tell our listeners a little bit about what this show is about. Ooh, what a question. It is a play about a young woman It's experiencing love and loss for the first time, I would say. I think it's In many ways, it's a play about growing up. It's a play about learning to take responsibility for yourself. And I come from a clowning background, so I think it's pretty funny. I don't know, Scott, would you say that it's funny sometimes? You seem to be trying to make it pretty funny in rehearsal. Yeah, I think it's very funny. Lots of times. It's very funny. And 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 Amy's clowning ability comes in really handy. And And one of the things that we're sort of like exploring in rehearsal is her creating the other people on stage that don't actually appear using her clowning techniques in her body. So that, that part's also fun for me. That is very cool. I feel like we've been getting a lot of artists who are involved in the world of clowning on our show lately. And it's been fascinating to discover that whole world. So I just adore where you're coming from. Sticking with you, Amy, first on this, I'd love to know where you came up with the idea for the show. Yeah, I had an experience five or six years ago with sort of a traumatic grief and and felt pretty lonely in that experience. And I and I was interested in exploring some of the questions that kind of came up around that experience. So I enrolled in the wonderful Judy Gold's solo performance class through primary stages. And that really was where the play started to incubate and and come alive and yeah I've just kind of been working at it ever since the pandemic was helpful from the writing front because suddenly I had nothing to do (laughs) so I was just like well I guess I'll write today but that it was sort of born out of that experience and 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 feeling like in some ways that grief is this superpower where you sort of see the world in a different way and my therapist says you know grief is an experience that we can either either opens us up or closes us off. And for me personally, it's been something that has opened me up and I was interested in creating art out of that. That is so inspiring and so wonderful. I would love to now bring on Scott, our wonderful director, and ask, how did you come upon this piece? Well, Amy and I worked together with Boomerang during the pandemic on Comedy of Errors, and she played one of the Dromeos. So that's how Amy and I got to know each other. And while she was workshopping the play, I actually was always out of town when she presented <laughs> it. I, it was very bizarre, but uh, so finally, she the, the time came to for production, and she asked me if I wanted was interested in directing it, and I was happy to do it. That is fantastic. And building on that, I would love to know, Scott, what has it been like developing this show so far? 
It's been a really rewarding process. Amy is so uh, such a great, well, it's like Amy's the writer and the performer. So, so sometimes I talk to her as the writer and sometimes I talk to her as the performer. So as a writer, always like willing to like consider dramaturgical notes and really think about what the play is trying to say and what the moment is about. And as an actor, very earnestly investing in each moment and also trying to find the, the humorous points and play them. So it's been rewarding. Very cool. Amy, how about you? You are the playwright and the performer. What has it been like developing this work? It's been a long haul. <laughs> no, it's been it's been great. You know, that's the interesting thing about writing a solo piece. I think I when I started writing, I thought it would be a really like singular process, and it has very much not been that. You know, I've been again, like I said, I've been in in class with Judy Gold for a number of years, and of course, she was really instrumental in in the sh- in shaping of it, as well as my classmates who are working on solo pieces of their own. And then I guess I was only about a year into working on it when the pandemic hit. And my friend Phoebe Brooks, who's actually our dramaturg on this production, she and I started working together on it. So the development of it, you know, has not been just me. And it's been really exciting to have the input of a lot of other people out there. And I want to give a shout out to Stephanie Machado too, who was also really instrumental in, in developing the piece. We did a workshop in the spring and then one the year before that. So, you know, it's a, even though it's a solo piece, it's been a really collaborative experience and that's been really exciting and great because, you know, writing can be quite lonely. So writing theater is less lonely. I don't know. I don't write anything about theater, but that's been my experience of it. <laughs> that's so fantastic though. Now, this is a a show, as you mentioned, that deals with some very strong and powerful issues. I'm wondering, what is the message or thought you're hoping that audience members will take away from it? And Amy, I want to start with you first on this. Sure. Yeah. Well, I I think first and foremost, like it's really important as theater makers that we take care of our audiences. Like I'm not interested in traumatizing or re-traumatizing anyone. And so something that's been really important for me is is dealing with the subject matter in a respectful and thoughtful and care careful way. That being said, I think that there's a lot that we don't talk about. Um, and so I am trying to bring some of those issues to light in this. I think that a lot of, we have a lot of taboos, especially around mental health, around suicidality or suicide ideation that kind of live in the dark. And, and I think that, that really those are, that, that shame that we cover it with makes it fester. So I'm interested in starting that conversation with the audience. I certainly don't think I have all of the answers or sometimes I feel like I don't have any of the answers. Frequently, I feel like I don't have any of the answers, but I do think it's my job as a theater maker to start that conversation. So my hope is that the audience will leave thinking about these things. And, and I think ultimately it is a play about love. And so I think, you know, I have heard say heard said that grief is sort of like an extension of love and that that is true for me and so i'm i'm interested in in starting that conversation that is a wonderful answer i really really appreciate that scott as the director what what is the message or thought you hope the audience takes away i would like them to really see this character as a a whole human being that is his flaws and positive qualities and that who's going on this journey trying to figure out what love means to them and what love will be for them in the future. There is grief in the play, but the character, as Amy said, that grief and love are connected. And I feel the character is trying to understand what love is. And I hope that the audience can take that away from their experience. 
That is also a fantastic answer. I really love the direction you two are wanting the show to go. It's wonderful. So my final question for this first part of the interview is, who do you hope have access to the great divide? And Scott, I would love to start with you first, if I could. Well, I think that since the the, the themes of the show are so universal, I think that it would be great to have access to anyone who wants to see it. But, you know, the people who have experienced grief or have lost someone important to them, I think it would be, it could be a great experience for them. I, actually, you know, Amy and I haven't really talked a lot about it. <laughs> I've had a, a spirit, an experience myself when I was in my 30s, which in directing the show has brought up a lot of memories for me. And it's been very cathartic and healing for me to think about those things. And so I think it could do the same for an audience member as well. And I just thought of one other thing. One of the things that Boomerang is doing, and I wanted to thank Tim because I think that he's given us this great opportunity. He's been a great shepherd for this production, but is that they are offering $10 tickets. There's $10 tickets to every performance. And also there's two Wednesdays that are pay what you wish. So that's open to, uh, I think that's really great because it allows a greater audience, a greater group of people to come see the show. That is so wonderful. Amy, what about you? Who do you hope have access to your show? Yeah, I mean, I, I would echo everything Scott said. And I think my therapist, like <laughs> my podcast voice, my therapist. I'm a lifelong New Yorker, so I think it's pretty standard that I would I would have a therapist at this point in my life. She said to me the other day, you know, there's different modality or different like models of grief, many of which don't work for me. But one that she mentioned yesterday I thought was really helpful is that first stage of grieving is or thing first thing you need is safety the second thing is processing and the third is sharing and so like scott said i think you know grief is a human experience i also think it is one that we we really have difficulty talking about and so i'm hopeful that in the sharing of it it can be healing it has been for me in the writing of it is it is for me in the performance of it and so i hope that it can be helpful for people who maybe don't feel like they have a space to to, to do that elsewhere or are struggling to find a place to connect in that way. Because I think that's one of the really beautiful things about theater. It is this connective tissue. Yeah. open things up for our listeners and give them a chance to get to know the two of you a little bit better. Pick your brains, if you will. And I want to start by asking the two of you, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past, or just some of your favorites? And Scott, I'm going to go and start with you on this one, if I could. Well, I'm often inspired by work that has like a great attention to its language and also an element of spectacle. And like one of the first things that came to mind would be Paula Bogo's Indecent that like just washed over me for days and days and I just couldn't let it go. It was just so, so beautiful. And I, I actually hope that I get to work on it somewhere someday. It's just such a beautiful piece. So work like that, I think is is the kind of work that, that really inspired me. And when I, when I was, 
very, very young in my high school when I was still in elementary school, put on The Wiz, and I was just dazzled by it and knew that, that I needed to be a part of this whole thing. And then I found Tennessee Williams and his poetry, the poetry and his work made me think of theater in a new and different way and really drew me in. I love that list. That is a stupendous list. Amy, how about you? What or who inspires you? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of theater artists, Tony Kushner certainly springs to mind. Similarly, sort of like relentlessly exploring subject material. Well, I mean, my first theatrical experience, I saw Beauty and the Beast on Broadway when I was four. And I think to echo Scott about the spectacle, I was like, whoa, I want to be a dancing spoon. Like, that sounds great. And I don't do musical theater, but... I, there's just something in the in the spirit of that. And I think it really goes back to fun. You know, like my impulse to be a, to be an actor came from just like wanting to play dress up and create stories at home. And, and I think certainly like as a, as a very serious, you know, professional theater maker, I can I can neglect that fun thing. But without it, it's like you know, we don't get paid enough money <laughs> to not have enough fun doing it. You know what I mean? Like. If I if I wanted to, if I was in this for the money, I could make a lot of more money doing other things. And so I think how, wherever the fun is, you know, that's a that's a driving factor for me. And then I'll also share that lately I've been on a really big Leonard Cohen kick. So that's not a theater artist, but I just think that there are certain people out there, certain artists like Shakespeare, Leonard Cohen lately for me, Bob Dylan, my boyfriend's on me to see Dylan this fall. I'm going, I'm going to go to see Bob Dylan this fall. But like, there's just certain people that there seems to be a design, a divine force flowing through them of the universe. So I don't know if that got really specific, but I would say those are some, some things that inspire me. Also another great list though, a fabulous list. Well, that leads me to my next question, which is, have you seen any great theater lately you might be able to recommend to our listeners? It's closed, but the last thing I saw that I was like, oh, I can't know if I can curse on this podcast, but I had a an expletive come to mind was Alex Edelman's Just For Us, I thought was really incredible. And I'm hopeful that it will come to a streaming service near you. I thought it was really deserving of that. But I thought the storytelling, the structure of the play and the, the comedy and the use of comedy, I love to laugh, but I love to laugh when there's a point and I... Uh, yeah, I, I th- keep thinking about it all the time. I think I brought it up in rehearsal the other day, too, because it's just kind of stuck like, you know, up in my brain. I feel like I've just been in rehearsal. So, like, are there things I want to see but that I haven't seen yet? I think Hell's Kitchen got extended at the public. Is that correct? And I want to see Merrily We Roll Along. So there, there are things that I'd like to see, but I, I have been working in rehearsal. Yeah, I want to see Merrily, too. I'm a big Harry Potter fan and a big Sondheim fan. Oh, right, so. right, right. Yes. Well, I want to ask now, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? And Amy, I want to start with you on that. The live, the live connection. I think the people, I mean, that was what was so painful about the pandemic is that we couldn't be in a room with one another. Right. And, you know, certainly film and TV pay a lot more, although film and TV should pay their actors more. (laughs) But there's something about being in a room with other humans that, I think is just 
it's just magic. Like there's just, and I have seen magic happen in theaters. I have seen magic happen in clown classes. Like when two people turn around at the same time and they've fallen in love and you can't explain it. And that's exactly what it is. So there's something about, there's just an aliveness in the theater that I love. And I think that's what keeps me coming back to it. So well put. I love that. Scott, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? And it's very, very similar. It's really about collaboration, about sharing ideas, a group of people coming together to create um, something beautiful together and listening to all the voices in the room and, and, and everyone sharing their ideas and putting in all of this effort to make something magical to share with another group of people. I really love all of that. So fantastic. I am loving all the insight you two have been sharing today. And we've now rolled up on my favorite question to ask guests, which is, what is your favorite theater memory? I guess I'll share a couple more. When I saw War Horse, there's only been a couple times in my life where I've like genuinely forgotten I was in a theater. And they were about to kill that horse in War Horse, and I freaked out. And my friend was like, it is a puppet. And I was like, oh, right, 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 right. Or at the end of Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, back when it, I saw it in London, it was still two parts. I don't know if it's two parts. I think it's one part here. But anyhow, the end of the first part, I stood up and I was like, ah! like I couldn't believe. I was like, Voldemort's back! <laughs> like, I had read the like I had knew what was coming, but I just kind of lost my mind. So yeah, moments like that, or or I guess like more like a more less spectacle play, more more of a plot play. The Ferryman by Jess Butterworth a couple of years ago, maybe longer than a couple of years ago now. Just the 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 heart racing like why I mean it was just unbelievable so I think yeah anything that kind of gets my my heart racing and my blood pumping and would be some of my favorite theater memories that tracks through all those I think yeah I like adrenaline I don't know if I like adrenaline or I'm just addicted to it but it's part of my experience those are some wonderful references (laughs) wonderful memories so thank you Scott how about you what's your favorite theater memory well, you know, like this feels like it's like a two pronged thing. Like, like I, I, when you asked the question, it, it brought me right back to like one of the first shows that I ever directed, and my friends were the, the actors on stage, and there was this place that I could hide in the theater, and the first time that the the audience met the show, and being able to see the audience's reaction and their laughter and the the tears. I don't know. I just it was just such a th- it was such a thrill to have been able to create that with a, that group of people and to share it with that group of people. And then I don't know why I just love being able to watch it without anyone seeing me watching it. That was really great. I love that. Another wonderful memory. Thank you both for those memories. Those were fabulous. Are there any other projects or productions either of you have coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? One will be very hard for you to see in New York. I'm. I'm I'm going to UC Davis to be I'll be a Granada artist in residence, and we'll be directing the Laramie Project out there, which will go up in February into March. And then when I come back, I'm going to be working for Boomerang again, and I'm going to be directing Gina Femia's Rokushio Loves Romeo Loves Juliet Loves, and that's going to happen in the spring with Boomerang. Very cool. Well, finally, if our listeners would like more information about The Great Divide or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you, how can they do that? I am not on social media because it's bad for my brain. So you can't find me there. 
<laughs> but you can find me at my website, which is just amycrossman.com. And my email's on there, so you can probably find it or there's like a contact thing. But yeah, I'd love to love to connect with people. Just don't do social media because I can't handle it. It's just my brain doesn't work that way. And you can reach me at scottebersold.com. There's also a email thing on there, whatever they're called. <laughs> and if you, more information about the show is through either boomerangtheater.org or here.org. Well, Scott, Amy, thank you both so much for taking the time to stop by and chat with me today. This show sounds amazing and everything you're working on sounds incredible. And I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us. So thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. My guests today have been the director, Scott Ebersold, and the performer and playwright, Amy Crossman, who are with Boomerang Theater Company's presentation of The Great Divide. It's playing October 5th through 22nd at Here Art Center, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting here.org. We also have some further contact information for the theater company and our guests that we'll be posting on our social media description, as well as on our episode description. So make sure to check that out. But for right now, head to here.org. Get your tickets now for The Great Divide, playing October 5th through the 22nd. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Hello.